You know, so many former Jehovah's Witnesses are involved in all kinds of activism. And our guest today, Yuri, he comes to us from the Netherlands. And what he is involved in is very interesting. The reason why is because the activism that he and the group that he is associated with, they are involved in a legal approach to dealing with shunning. You know, the Watchtower has boots on the ground in over 200 countries, which means you have 200 different laws. And their approach is very interesting, and we're going to discuss it with him in this video. We think that you'll find it interesting because we know that the Watchtower carefully uses the laws around the world. Think about this. An elder who is a member of the legal department will stand in front of a congregation, in front of an assembly, and say, we as Jehovah's Witnesses, we have no hierarchy. And on Monday, the same attorney for the Watchtower will stand in a courtroom and argue tooth and nail that we have a hierarchy just like the Catholic Church. Well, the Watchtower uses the laws in their favor. Those same laws can cut the other way. And this is what our guest is going to share with us, how they are approaching using the laws, human rights, of how this tactic that the Watchtower uses called shunning, how it impacts people. And we think that you enjoy this. Welcome to The Critical Thought. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yuri, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hey, Yuri, how you doing this morning, man? I'm doing great. Great. Yeah. It's very exciting. <laughs> glad we're to glad, have you glad, here. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. We've been trying to, you know, I know we've been trying to, you know, everybody's schedule so busy and trying to coordinate things, kind of tough, but we finally found you to get with you, man. I really appreciate that. Right. Uh, so Yuri, now we talked a little bit, you know, before, you know, your interview and um, you want to tell our audience how you ended up becoming one of Jehovah's Witnesses at the age of 18? Uh, uh, long story short, uh, I met a classmate who was also uh, studying with the Jehovah's Witness and uh, he, he had some ideas that at the time seemed very attractive to me. So I simply started studying the Bible first with him. And eventually, with the time uh, I uh, I moved, uh, he used he lived very far away. So then, uh, at home, I studied with, with with a brother and a, an elderly brother and a sister, and so on. After one year of studying, uh, I became a Jehovah's Witness. So basically, got baptized on nineteen on my nineteenth. Wow. Oh, he was one of those good Bible studies. What we call progressive Bible studies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? My thing is, what impressed you about this group, the Jehovah's Witnesses? Yes. What attracted me to the Jehovah's Witnesses was that um, I used to have a fear for the hell uh, because I used to be Protestant. And as you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in that doctrine. And I thought it was very interesting. And yeah, and the brother in question had a very uh, extensive knowledge of the Bible. And uh, I was impressed by it because back then, I even couldn't find the book of Matthew, and and he would just he he knew the Bible like uh, like the palms of, of his hand, and I was impressed by it. And I thought that all witnesses were like these, yeah, these Bible experts, and I wanted to be a Bible expert in to a certain degree. Yeah, that's a very common experience, Yuri. I'm gonna tell you because, um, unfortunately, historically, most religions have just failed 
in helping their members to understand or, or even how to use the Bible. Um, and so when a person who can't find the basic books of the Bible sees either like a young Jehovah's Witness or like you in your case, you know, an adult Jehovah's who can just flip back and forth, that by itself gives them credibility. And of course, the flip side is we don't realize that their explanation many times uh, has nothing to do with the fact that they can find the books very quickly. So, yeah, that that does attract people. That is very attractive to a lot of people. I've heard that right. before. Yeah. So now you became a Jehovah's Witness at the age of 19. How about anybody else in your family? Are you the only witness in your family? No, um, my mom came later on because also she was impressed that um, I knew so much about the Bible. That uh, it was at the memorial how she saw that I could explain certain scriptures. And the next day she was so impressed that she just went, she also wanted Bible study. And she's now also, she, she's still baptized, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, she, and that's how she became a Jehovah's witness. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now, now that you've got this situation going on with you, not being a witness anymore, how does that, re- how is that affecting the relationship with you and your mom? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well my mom, uh, because she's not a born in like me, I think she has real unconditional love. So she still talks to me. Um, she, uh, in fact, I, th- I thought me being excommunicated, the contact would be less, but she, she still calls me for like little stuff to do groceries. <laughs> so it, 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 I still get a lot of contact. In fact, from my mom, I think to be honest, I think my mom also doesn't believe in it anymore. Uh, and she just stays in for the, yeah, for, for the friends that she, um, gathered in the in the organization. Oh yeah, she's there for the social aspect. Yeah, that right? plays a major role. That is so exactly. True yeah. Now let that. me ask you a question. So we talked about how you became a witness, how you got involved because of your fear factor. Jehovah's Witnesses came along. Here you are learning about the Bible, and it's impressive. What woke you up? Well, so also long story short, uh, I got excommunicated, and um, and one of the elders said that, yeah, we don't think you felt remorse. And I was like, wait, what? You can't read my heart. Like, I really did did feel remorse for, for the sin that I committed. And I was, uh, yeah, to the point that I even considered ending my own life. So when the elders made a decision, I was, I felt, yeah, I felt insulted, uh, shocked, and in some way even relieved. Uh, so, because I, in a way, I think I was just tired of also being a Jehovah's Witness. It is still, yeah, very restrictive to be to be one. But yeah, that was one of the cracks that really, really uh, made me question the whole thing. Like, you can't read my heart. So, how do you really know that I didn't felt remorse for what I did? And so, when you started to, you know, begin to think, "Wow, this is crazy." What did you begin to do to help you to make your exit? Well, I gave myself uh, permission. <laughs> I thought like, well, they can't excommunicate. They can't show me twice, basically. So I decided to go, you know what? Let me go on YouTube and just type in ex-Jovovinus. And uh, as you know, you get in this rabbit hole and you, you, you learn, you discover the certain doctrines are not even biblical. And then you, at first I thought, it was their own interpretations of these activists, uh, uh, but at some point I just I, I realized like you can you can interpret the Bible in many ways. So then I asked myself another question: Okay, but which interpretation makes the most sense? And 
And then I realized that shunning is such an unloving and it does, it's not even a very effective way of helping people. It, 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 it does more damage than good. And that's, that was really the breaking point where I realized, now nah, this can't be God's organization. Yeah, that, that's so true. Uh, the, the entire idea of the disfellowshipping or excommunication is very powerful. Uh, we did a video that dealt with that in the past of how the Watchtower actually condemned disfellowshipping and excommunicating because other religions were doing it and how unloving, unscriptural, unkind, how mean it was. Uh, and then only to turn around and like, you know, a few years later, like, this is a real nice tool to keep people in check. And they they adopted the very techniques that they condemned just a few uh, years before. And um, it's oftentimes when people like yourself, uh, you're introduced to that judicial process. Does it cause, and we hear this a lot. It was at that point, they realized, that I need to look at this again because, like you said, you know, a person is telling you, "Well, you're not forgiving enough. You, you know, you, you don't look remorse," and that's true because there are some elders who serve on judicial cases. People crying, and they'll tell you, "Tears don't move me." Them crocodile tears, and so you got this. These three guys are now getting right to make a decision about your life that's going to have a tremendous impact, and it's at that point for so many people that becomes the what what you can call the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And they start that process, like you mentioned, of starting to do research for themselves. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's a great point. It really is. Uh, yeah. But also one of the things also that, that bothered me is how much power they have. Like it's, it's just too much, too much power that someone can just take such a part of you and also can just take away your family members and friends. Uh, and I'm like, wait a second, how can three imperfect men have so much influence and power and deciding such an important aspect of my life. Like someone can say, yeah, you're no longer a Jehovah witness. Like someone saying, yeah, you're no longer Yuri. Like, wait a second, how, who gave you the right to do this? And it, it really bothered me. And I think that also helped me with waking up. I'm going to tell you, man, those critical thinking questions, those are the things that get the mind rolling. And when you start asking those exact questions, like you, you mentioned before, that is the process. And that's kind of why, you know, our channel, you know, it's what we encourage people to do, to think critically, ask critical thinking questions, because the only thing left at that point is being willing to accept what the answers are. That's really the biggest challenge. Right. What type of um, relationships did you have with the brothers and sisters in your congregation? And did you feel like they were healthy relationships? Oh, that's a good one. Um well, I had a really good relationship with the, with the, you see, I was in the Papimento group here in the Netherlands. You have different um, languages and groups. And I was in the Papimento group and it was small. So it was a very um, tight, um, small, yeah, commune. And uh, it was really nice. Like the sisters, they were mostly sisters, sisters than brothers. So I saw them more like my aunts. So I had a really good bond with uh, a lot of them. And I, I was very, um, yeah, I was very well liked by by most most of the members because I was I was one of those progressive young brothers that don't judge or I'm just I just like to listen and 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 I like to be basically I was trying to be a good person. So um, yeah, I think that's also why I think it was easy for me to get also privileges because uh, yeah I could I, I was uh, yeah I was very well liked to the point that some were surprised that I wasn't uh, even earlier a ministerial servant. But um, 
yeah, there, there could be reasons about jealousy from, from an elder or something like that. Why I haven't become a minister of service. I don't know for sure. That's things I've heard. I can't confirm it. But uh, yeah, I was I, I had a pretty pretty good standing. I even became ministerial servant. Yeah. And what about what about your employment status? What kind of work were you doing when you were one of Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh yeah, I was uh, I worked as a web developer, building websites uh, for four days, and on on mostly on Fridays on my day off, basically I, I would do freelance. And also also that uh, play, uh, helped me also to wake up well while being excommunicated because. I lost clients because some of my clients were Jehovah's Witnesses. And that also shook me. Like I was like, wait a second. So if I was fully dependent on my freelancing work and you can be excommunicated for at least six months, that would mean that I would have trouble paying my bills for at least half a year. So it also made me realize that not only was I being um, damaged or hurt mentally and physically, but also financially. And I realized how destructive the shunning is in many aspects. Oh, yes. Very powerful. Um, That's one of the first things we often hear in talking to people like yourself who has any business dealing, rental properties or employees, they lose every, all their clients gone, just, just gone. And so they, they take that tremendous financial hit. (laughs) So, so you let me ask you a question, you know, now that you've gotten out and you've seen what the other side is, as it were, um, what you had mentioned to us, some of the things that you wanted to do to help other people to come to know what you know. Could you share with our audience what you are doing and what you're actively involved in to help other people as well? Yes, uh, it started with me. I'm posting my first uh, YouTube video. I, I had uh, I made one in Dutch in a separate channel and then an English one in another separate channel for my family members in America. And one of my friends, one of my colleagues, uh, saw the video and then sent me a link of an activist uh, called Henry Dalham. And he was one of the um, chair members, uh, chairman, who he's the chairman of the Dutch committee against J.W. Shunning here in the Netherlands. And I decided to call him because he was in the news for uh, going against the, the Shunning um, rules um, done by the Jehovah Witness. And I, and I called him. I was like, I really wanted to be part of this. So like, um, so basically, uh, we're trying to do the same thing like we're trying to do in Belgium. Is um, uh, in Belgium they they're not trying to um, basically make the Jehovah's illegal or trying to um, get rid of them, but basically um, saying like, okay, everybody's free to practice their religion, uh, but there's certain doctrines that are just too dangerous for the well-being of an individual. So what they did in Belgium is basically saying that um, the shunning is basically discrimination. And that's how they won the case. So the one leading that that cause in Belgium was Patrick Hayek, and we we now working together with the Belgians, and they also pretty much have a template where we where we're also using here in the Netherlands. Unfortunately, we can't use the same um, uh, basis for racism. Racism here in the Netherlands, the the laws are a little bit more complicated, but basically. We're going with um, basically um, saying that it's a damage of your reputation. So being shunned and being or when once a elder publicly announces that you are no longer a Jehovah's Witness, that is a uh, a signal that people have to take action that they are no longer that you are now socially dead, so that people cannot speak to you. And basically, we were able 
to um, made a petition, and there were there are now like thousands of people who signed it, even non-witnesses who also think it's just in, it's very unjust. So then we took um, this this petition and we brought it to the parliament, and then then we have different representatives of political parties listen to our um, petition and and, uh, and and plea. And they even came journalists and uh, journalists and TV journalists who, who wanted to also pop, most likely it's going to come on, on television, this. And we're going to just try to explain uh, that the shunning is very dangerous psychologically and also physically and financially. And we're hoping that with... Um, enough people joining this petition be able to show the people in, in, in politics, uh, the politicians, how dangerous this is. And I remember when I was there uh, at the parliament, um, one of the representatives were like shocked. Like you could see it in their eyes when I said like, yeah, this is what's happening in the Jehovah's community. And they will go like, wait, what is, wait, is, they were like shocked, like uh, even after where we were done, where the cameras were off and the, and the journalists went away, some of the uh, political leaders just stayed there and just keep, kept asking questions like, OK, so so you're telling me that parents don't talk to the children because they left. OK, so what happens if you if you become a witness and you change your mind? So and, and you want to um, basically unsubscribe. From, from the religion, do they still shun you? And then we have to explain, yes, that also happens. So it's a it's a very um yeah, it's 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 very process. Um first of June, if I'm saying this correctly, we're gonna go again and then we're gonna explain our experiences. So if anyone watching this video who is a Dutch native speaker or lives in the Netherlands, you can go to the website nowisthetime.nu and you can also um, take part of the petition and help making the shunning basically um, illegal for uh, for the Jehovah's to practice here in the Netherlands. Yeah, you, you made probably the most important point um, about Jehovah's Witnesses, and that is the lack of understanding of what goes on, quote unquote, behind the curtain. And this yeah. is where uh, activists like myself, you, my wife, other people, this is where what we come in plays such an important role because part of what we do is to educate people about Jehovah's Witnesses because the Witnesses have a wonderful public persona. And when you, as you mentioned before, when you start telling people, do you know that this is what they do? You get that reaction. I mean, we have gotten that reaction so many times from people. It's unreal. And, to, and for us, that is the most important point because remember, when people are approached by Jehovah's Witnesses, generally speaking, they know little to nothing about them. And when they can find out these types of things, then they can intelligently ask a Jehovah's Witness when they're getting right to consider having a Bible study. Let me ask you a question. If, if I decide not to be involved five years later, what happens to my relationship with me and my kids or my cousins and so forth? And exactly. these are the type of questions, and then they can give you examples. I, I work with a guy right now. His mom ain't talked to him in five years. And so all of a sudden, the witnesses are being confronted with issues that they don't discuss. These are quite, shh, don't talk about that. Don't you know, and so all of a sudden, like you said, you put this before politicians, and they begin to see that this is an, an interesting approach because this is really a continuation. If you, I don't know if you, because we've been around for a few years, the Watchtower has actually changed the way they make the announcements. 
when someone yeah. in this fellowship are reproved and so forth, especially this fellowship, is because of this very reason. The lawsuits, they have been charged and, and sued for slandering people's names, damage to them. And so this is a very interesting approach. And when you're dealing with a lot of the Western countries where they recognize people have certain rights, this makes it very, very difficult for a group like Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, yeah. So now, so um, Yuri, how long have you been involved? Because you said you left. Um, did you say tell our audience how long you had been gone? In the oh yeah, uh, it was first um, of April two thousand twenty-one where I officially um, uh, got uh, excommunicated, and I think after I think a few months that I started doing activism because at some point I realized that people need to know. Because I, 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 this thing. Because a lot of people talk negatively about the Jehovah's Witnesses, but they don't really have good reasons or they have a lack of information. And now I think I can tell people, okay, see, the reason why you should you should reconsider having a Bible study is because of this and this and this reason. And yeah, so it's basically, yeah, basically, uh, I, I've been doing. I'm almost a year that I'm now uh, officially an ex Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, oh, and, see, activism, <laughs> and see, activism is so important. And I just think that um, you weren't one of those people that just said, oh, I learned about this not being the truth. And I'm going to go on with my life and go back into normal you know, society and things like that. But you you thought enough about people to look out for them to get involved with the activism. How did you find out about that to get involved with this group? Well, yeah, a colleague, a, a colleague of mine who who was impressed that I, I even put a YouTube video, and I, and I and I and I went all crazy. Like when once I made a YouTube video, I posted on my Facebook, on my Instagram, I even even on my LinkedIn. I just didn't care. I just posted everywhere because I felt like people really need to know this. And the reactions that I've had were amazingly positive. Like even people, I didn't know this, but you have. Witnesses who are PIMO, physically in, mentally out, who are in there and want to leave but can't because they will lose their family members. And I was shocked because I've been a witness for like 13 years and I've never knew about this group. It's just insane. And and, and one of my colleagues, co-workers, uh, an ex-colleague of mine, sent me a link from uh, Henry Dallum uh, and, uh, because there was this news article about Jehovah's Witnesses fighting against the shunning here in the Netherlands. And yeah, I, I was like, oh, I have to be part of this because yes, you can do online and, and YouTube really does help. And, I, and I'm planning in the future to keep making videos, but getting the politicians involved is, yeah, that's, that's a different level. Now you're really um, making changes. You're really um, having an effect on the physical world, basically. So, and, and I knew that, okay, so now we, it's funny, like, first you have to be politically neutral as a witness, and suddenly you're like all politicians and getting all in. And this year is the first time I'm planning on voting for the first time. But it shows how important it is to um, also in the physical world, offline, doing activism offline, um, getting petitions, getting your local politicians uh, involved. Because this, it surprises you, but they teach you that... Um, uh, yeah, the, the the politicians are evil as a witness being, and, but I realized that a lot of these people genuinely want to help. A lot of these politicians do help because 
one once we did the interview and the cameras were off, yeah, they, they could have just left and kept it there, but they they kept they stayed with us, ex-witnesses, uh, activists, and asked even more questions. They were like genuinely interested in what we had to say about uh, uh, the shunning and how it affects us uh, uh, in our daily lives. And it says a lot. And it gives me a lot of optimism that, um, okay, the, the, so there is potential to change. And we've seen it can be done because we've seen it in Belgium. And it's not only happening in Belgium. It's also happening in Denmark, uh, in Germany. And so uh, there's, in here in Europe, there's this uprising of ex-witnesses, activists, going to, to the politicians, going into uh, basically using the governments and ha- asking help from the governments to help them and, and, and make this shunning uh, uh, policy that the business have as basically uh, illegal or that it shouldn't just be something that the business should be doing. I yeah. think this is a really good yeah. work that you're doing. And I feel like because you're getting, these politicians are also part of the community that you live in. And you can best believe that just like you're reaching out to them and talking to them and educating them about what's going on, they're no doubt talking to people in their own personal communities. So what we're doing here and what you all are doing is able to reach the people when Jehovah's Witnesses knock at their door. They can be aware of who this group is and no longer making people feel like they're making progress in their lives because they're learning the Bible. Because that's what people are saying. Jehovah's Witnesses are teaching me the Bible. And I feel like I'm really, you know, armed with this truth and knowledge and all of that to the point that you don't see the underlying current beneath all of that, you know, facade that they put on. Oh, the smiling people at your door, the happy families and things like that. So I'm just really happy to hear that all of this is going on in Europe. And perhaps the United States may eventually get more involved with the same type of work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we've talked to so many people over the years um, who, and, and this is the whole thing. There are just so many different aspects of activism. And, and that's, and, and so basically what we're doing is we're together, we're covering all the bases. We're literally covering all the bases. We know some, they focus on doctrine, some focus on legal things, some focus on this. And so what it does, it allows people, it allows people to see Jehovah's Witnesses from literally every angle. Even one guy told me, he says, even if we don't get the legislation passed, we have made it a public record. We have put something into the public sphere where people are now asking questions about, is that the reason why they don't? That's exactly the reason why. And like you mentioned, the, the watchtower gives us such a false value system. I know Lady C and I, you know, when we first got involved in, you know, the local politics in our area, we began to see how, how important it was. You know, we pay taxes, you own property, you, you want to make sure the schools, the buses, the roads are clean. And so all of a sudden, all these years, we had nothing to do with that. And like you said, now you are literally part of the community that you live in. And so you participate in the community that you live in. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you give to our audience, listening audience, for people who are waking up and they're too afraid to really take action with their lives? The, maybe the PIMOs. Maybe, what would you say to the PIMO community? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good question. Well, uh, one thing I would have to say is that if, if you're PIMO, you probably already know that, the, that God and, and the organization are just two separate things. And that at some point also, um, 
yeah, you can move on with your life and that's good. And not everybody should be an activist. Uh, I do agree with that one. But I think you, by helping, you're not only helping yourself, but also others. Like it's bigger than ourselves. And uh, I realized that once I started doing this activism, how a lot of people really are negatively affected. And imagine what if we actually do get a legislation passed? What if this activism and the politicians actually start taking action? That will mean a, a great, great things in the future, meaning the more freedom for you to really live your life without the fear of losing your family members. And it really would help. And once again, if you're a native Dutch speaker, and you should really consider at least signing the petition and contribute and helping with the activism in any way you can probably do. And you know yeah. something true um, about the political aspect? Um, I feel like that's one of those things where a person doesn't really have to you know, show up in person kind of thing. You could probably put your name on a list or a petition and things like that. So like even with YouTube videos, you know, people come out, you know, with their face. Some people come out and just speak. But there's other ways to be activists besides oh, yeah. showing your face and stuff yeah. like that. Because, of course, the PMOs, we know why they're PMO. We know yeah. they're PMO because they can't afford to be cut off from their family for different reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's other ways you can help. But at the same time, for the people that are PMO, um, it's really sad because they're wasting away so much of their lives while they're waiting for the things or the situations to get right in their family so that they can start to live for themselves, which is really kind of, you know, pretty bad for them. Yeah, that's that's, that's probably the the saddest part for so many persons who are PMOs is that PMOs is that. And we've talked to them. When they finally make that move, they're like, man, I should have been out here three, four years ago. And so, and so it, it's, it's very unfortunate. But, uh, but, but we realize that everybody's situation is not the same. And we tell people, you have to do what is in your best interest because this is really the first step. And this is where you're first starting to take control of your own life. So you have to make the move when you feel that it's best. Don't let anyone make, tell you to do otherwise. Because nobody will be there when you hit the ground. So you have to make sure that as you make your moves, you make them at the time that you have considered to be the best time. Exactly. Yeah. And Yuri, what about your mental health? You said that you were c- contemplating taking yeah. your own life, you know, when you yeah. realized that they were going to excommunicate you because they felt like you weren't remorseful enough. How did you settle that in your mind after leaving? Well, one thing I, I also always recommend is to seek professional help. So one of the things I did is I went to my doctor. I just one day just walked in and, and told my doctor, yes, I just told, I told her everything. I just told her, yeah, I got excommunicated and this happened, that happened. And yeah, I mean, like the doctor was looking at me like, wait, is this happening in the witness? <laughs> like it shows also the, the complete ignorance. Like she, she was also surprised like, oh, so, so when you get excommunicated, this and that. And so at some point she just referred me to a psychologist and I also went to a psychologist, spoke and, you know, I only had like one hour and I already felt better. <laughs> I already started to feel like, I, and, and my family members, my sister, she, she realized, she noticed like, wow, you, in your last video, you, 
you seem more peaceful. Like, yeah, because, for, you know, I've, I've learned to let my anger go. Um, the psychologist gave me also the advice to redefine who I am because when you're Jehovah's Witness, it's basically part of your identity. Like when someone asks you, well, what are or how do you identify yourself or who are you? You say, I am a Jehovah's Witness. You say that proudly. But now that that's removed, okay, who are you? And it was it's a journey right now. And I'm excited about it. Like now I'm like going, okay, who is Yuri now? And it's it's a very fascinating journey. There's no end point, but the journey itself is very satisfying. And that's where I'm going through right now. And it really helped me a lot. And also doing research, once I realized also that Jehovah's are simply a doomsday cults made up by some man who had some obsession with pyramids and numbers, I, I realized, oh my God, I, I've been, I've been bamboozled. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. Yeah, I got, uh, yeah, hoodwinked by, by silly doomsday cults. And all these things really helped. Also what helped is um, if it's possible to get yourself surrounded by loving family members. Um, it's not always possible, but in my case, I'm lucky that most of my family members, if not all, all most of, the, all of them, um, are, are not Jehovah's Witnesses. So I was able to just go to a good friend of mine also who who used to also be a Jehovah's Witnesses, and he, he lives in England. And I would just crash at his place for a week, and uh, he he and he's also a very interesting story. His whole family stopped. They just gathered one day and they said, we're, we're, we're done with being witness. And I just crashed their place for a week. And that really helped because I was surrounded by loving people. And I think all these things by doing research about the organization and doing real research, like knowing exactly what's going on, but also surrounding myself with loving fe- uh, family and friends and also getting professional help, getting a psychologist, someone who, who can really... Um, pinpoint the right uh, places where you have to look uh, and rethink and, and give you the right professional advice. All these three things really help me to get my mental health better. Excellent. That's good. That's, good. That's really good. Yeah. Can, can I ask you a question, Yuri? Sure. Um, <laughs> when you started out, you said that you were introduced to Jehovah's Witnesses um, by one of your classmates. Could you share with our audience whatever became of that classmate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he also stopped. Like he he was uh, apparently when I got excommunicated, he was like four years. He was a pimo, and <laughs> so at some point, uh, 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 I, I even helped him write his letter. <laughs> and so it's really nice. So now we're we're friends. So we 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 came together in the organization, and now we're out of the organization together. So it's really funny. Excellent, That's that crazy. is funny. But you know what? We we used to laugh about this, and yeah, I, and I used to talk about this, and I would say, "Can you imagine going to the book study, and you've got like ten or fifteen people at the book study?" When this is when we had book studies, because when we were in, they had the weekly one hour book study, and so I said, "Could you imagine sitting at the book study, and everybody is sitting there thinking?" Um, but they're all PMOs and everybody is saying, I don't want to be here, but because of the Watchtower's restriction on being able to talk about how you feel about them, you can have a group of people that's just going and just following the, the rules and not wanting to be there, but everybody wants to leave, you know? Yeah. And so that's how, that's how your friend was. It's like, oh God, when, who's going to like step up to the plate first and say something? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That, that has been amazing. I mean, the number of people we've talked to over the years, man, they'd be like, it was like four of us at the Kingdom Hall. We'd be looking at each other, but you didn't want to say anything because you didn't want them to charge you and accuse you of being in a false state. <laughs> and at the end of the day, all of them left. We could have been out here a long time ago. That is amazing. Oh, man. Yuri, we thank you so yeah. much for coming on the on the channel and telling your story because it's very impressive. And I think that it, it just goes to show that it's not just here in the United States. It's all over. Yeah. People are being true. affected by this religion the same exact way in every area that they that they put themselves in your lives. Yeah. You know, everywhere the Jehovah's Witness knocks on a door, they're they're having the same effect on the lives of people everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Yes, so this has been Lady C. And this has been JT. And we want to thank you for being in our audience, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks again, Yuri. Take care. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers. And for our Dutch viewers, stick around. Yuri has a couple of words he wants to say to you. Now, um, yeah, it, for all Nederlanders of Jovgetuigen uh, in Nederland, I understand that it may be very interesting, but I think that through now is the time for now to go, can you go to the petition. And through the petition, you can help the shining beleid of the Icelanders beleid, the part where you are declared a social dead kan je zorgen dat dat strafbaar wordt. Dus als jij echt uh, mee wil helpen, en je kan het ook anoniem doen, an anoniem doen. dus uh, ik zou het echt aanraden om dat te doen. Het zou echt mooi zijn en, en wie, weet, wie weet zou het toch wel prachtig zijn als wij gewoon de organisatie kunnen verlaten, of in ieder geval op een moment misschien vind je dit niet meer de waarheid, en dat je gewoon nog steeds je familie kan behouden. Dus het zou heel mooi zijn. Ik, Henry is makkelijk bereikbaar via zijn mobiele nummer. Alle informatie zal, uh, zal worden beschikbaar worden gesteld, ook op mijn YouTube-kanaal. Dus als het kan, zal het mooi zijn.